Hi, I'm Katie Shepard. And I'm Carissa Kane. And we are the co-directors of Unmasked Ministries. Unmasked Ministries is a healing prayer ministry that equips the saints to walk in the freedom of Christ. This is our podcast. Are you ready to be unmasked? Welcome back, guys. Um, Today we are going to talk about soul ties. Soul ties. What are soul ties? Don't get freaked out like I was when I heard soul ties for the first time. I actually came to bow down and I talk, or I heard about inner healing, got super excited, dove right in, ended up doing the class. I think a few months later they were doing um, the second one, but I convinced the leader to let me go ahead and attend it, even though I hadn't done foundations yet. And um, I was introduced to soul tie. And that was the first time I heard the term and the idea of a soul tie. And honestly, that caused me to like take several steps back and was like, okay, what church am I at? Because this is the first time I've heard this term. Um, I was a little freaked out by it. It seemed really serious. Um, And so I went ahead and decided to allow them to teach me what they believed a soul tie was. And later on, I took that back home and I started to go through my own scriptures and was like, okay, let me test this, Lord. Like, obviously, you're not going to find soul tie in the Bible because I didn't. Um, I was like, Lord, what is a soul tie? Help me here. And what he kept bringing me back to was yoked. The word yoked is... um, in the Bible. And it's funny because when I read yoke for the first time, you could tell I was a, a baby believer. I was like literally thinking about eggs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't get this. Like mm-hmm. scripture is so weird. Like what is yoked? Mm-hmm. And so of course me, I'm going to go research the word yoke. Obviously mm-hmm. there's another meaning to it. And yoked is what they used to use for mules or cattle to have them create straight lines. They would connect them, Mm -hmm. right? And so in scripture, it's literally talking about not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever in 2 Corinthians 6. And I I wanna read this to you. Mm -hmm. And before I read it to you, I want you to first humble yourself because some of you may be triggered when you hear this because I was. Um, and try to receive and ask Holy Spirit, if I'm being triggered, why am I being triggered? And just allow him to minister within your heart. 2 Corinthians six fourteen, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So God is telling us here not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Does that mean we can't be friends with unbelievers? I don't necessarily think that means we can't have a friend who's an unbeliever because what if we're the only Christ, little Christ that they ever meet, right? right? But basically what he's saying is don't come down to their level and don't take on their their beliefs and walk the way that they're walking because you have Christ and Christ is among you, right? What would be an example for people who are listening of how you would, okay, so it says be in the world but not of the world. So how do you do this in friendships where there are unbelievers? They might, you might be the only Jesus that they do yeah. see. How do you guard that and not yeah. come into the ungodly. Now, this is really hard. The, I'm not going to undermine this at all because I, for a good part of my life, was an unbeliever. 
And so the majority of my friends, um, they would, they would, you know, confess that they believe in Jesus, but they wouldn't walk it. They weren't living the life. So ultimately they would probably be categorized as an, a truly an unbeliever. Um, and when I came to Christ and I wanted to take this seriously. And so I'm like, how do I do this? So I started to plug myself in to like, um, a community that would mentor me and disciple me and help me walk this out. And what that started teaching me was the things that I was used to doing, I probably shouldn't really be doing anymore because what that is doing is it's putting me in situations that can create defilement. Mm -hmm. It's putting me in situations where I'm being tempted to fall into sin and ultimately disobeying God. And so it's best to guard your heart, right? And to not just, and to not just not do it, Mm -hmm. but don't put yourself in situations Mm -hmm. where you're tempted to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped going to clubs. Mm-hmm. I stopped going and watching horror movies. Horror movies was like my jam. And I'm not saying horror movies is sin, but some of us, and I'm one of them, are super sensitive to what I watch, what I read, and what I listen to. It's very important to be in tune with what you're feeding your mind. So if you're feeling anxious a lot, that's a question you need to ask yourself. What am I feeding my mind? Who am I hanging out with the most? Mm-hmm. Because you can usually pinpoint why you're feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. And for me, if I would watch a scary movie, like I would have nightmares. I would dwell on that for a while, you know? And at one point I watched them so much that like I was I was numb to the movie, mm-hmm. but it would still affect me later. Mm-hmm. And so I knew for my sake, like, okay, this stuff is demonic. Mm -hmm. This is not obviously glorifying God in any way. Mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't be watching it because of how it affects me. So I stopped doing that. Um, I stopped going out with my girlfriends who were single to clubs or to bars without my husband because I didn't want to put myself in a situation. Now, that was a boundary that I created for myself. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that is a boundary that everyone has to create, but that was something that my husband and I together created for ourselves. Mm-hmm. My friends, who are the unbelievers, at first were okay with it. And they were like, oh, we love that, we admire that you were doing that, and it was awesome that I could still be friends with them. Mm-hmm. But then after a while, Katie, they kept inviting me and I kept turning them down because they were still doing the same things and I was no longer doing it. And eventually we lost interest in each other mm-hmm. because we no longer had yeah. a common interest. We had nothing to talk about or to hang mm-hmm. or to do together mm-hmm. because I was going down a completely different path than they were. Mm-hmm. And so that that bond that was broken was extremely painful, mm-hmm. but it eventually had to happen. And when it did, let me tell you, God brought me into a new community mm-hmm. and create and, and walked me into creating relationships that are stronger, deeper, and more intimate than the ones that I lost. And I think, Carissa, because you were strong in your boundaries with them, that's why there was like a natural breaking off, right? right. Yeah. But if you wouldn't have been and you continued to come under that, would you say then that would be an ungodly soul tie that's created yes, in friendships? Because there's a defilement that's taking and place. And explain that because I, for me, I know or knew of soul ties as sexual. Right. Yeah. But when yeah. people started mentioning that you can have ungodly soul ties with parents or friends, and I'm like, what? That's yeah. weird. Yeah. So first, I guess before I can answer that answer that question, we need to define what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. So what is a relationship? Well, in Genesis, I think it's 2.18, God created us to be relational beings. He declared that it was not good for man to be alone. Mm -hmm. And so we are created to be relational. We are spirit to spirit. And a lot of our interactions are spirit to spirit. It's not just flesh and blood. 
And so we have to have an understanding that there is a real spiritual aspect to every relationship that we have. And so, yes, you can have the sexual bond that creates that soul tie because it also says in scripture that when you become one flesh, mm-hmm. when you're intimate with someone, mm-hmm. so you are creating an ungodly soul tie if it's outside of the covenant of marriage, mm-hmm. right? But then also, if there's a defilement in any relationship, specifically for friends or even parents or authority figures, maybe your boss, if relationships are out of fear, mm-hmm. if there's a wrongful agreement that mm-hmm. you've made with somebody, mm-hmm. um, sex, and then also false healings. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one, I think. And there is a stigma with inner healing because mm-hmm. some churches have done false healings. And so there could be a resentment or an unwillingness to do an inner healing somewhere else because there's been a false healing. You have an ungodly soul tie with that church or that Mm -hmm. pastor or that healing team. So that's also an example of an ungodly soul tie Mm -hmm. outside of sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, So going back to that verse of being unequally yoked with unbelievers and friendships, right? If you come under that where they're pressuring you and you keep falling into that, that would you say that would be unequally yoked then? Because you're falling under that. Yeah, I mean, if there's pressure, then you've got you've to realize that there's an under, there may be an unspoken mm-hmm. or an underlining influence of manipulation, control, or domination. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it can be manipulation. I had a girl in a session and um, she was talking about an ungodly, well, she didn't know it was an ungodly soul type, but... I recognized it as an ungodly soul type, but she was talking about um, something that was really burdening her, and it was her one of her best friends. She had recently gotten married, and um, her and her husband were really trying to make Christ be the center of their marriage. And so they were plugging into church, and they were doing youth groups, and they were doing mentorships and mm-hmm. disciples discipleships and outreaches, like really just trying to make Christ the center. And her best friend wasn't a believer. Mm-hmm. And she always admired her friend for um, being a believer. But now that she was with her husband and everything was all about Jesus now, mm-hmm. and there was no time for her, not all of a sudden... She started to actually compete with the girl that I was doing a session with for her time mm. compared to Jesus. And so I guess the, the easy answer is if there's a relationship that ever competes with your time with Jesus, mm-hmm. it's an ungodly tie that yeah. you have with that person. Now, I'm not saying that relationship in its entirety is mm-hmm. ungodly, mm-hmm. but there is an ungodly aspect to it that needs to be severed. Mm-hmm. And I think that like relating back to parents too, when, yeah. when there's any like domination or control or manipulation growing yeah. up. And now you're an adult and you still feel the need if they start to dominate and say you're even married. Yeah. Oh, well, my mom needs me to go do this. I have to go over there. But you and your wife already committed to something. Right. You know, there's an ungodly aspect of like, I have to meet this person's needs or they're operating in manipulation. That is just so ungodly, right? And it's so out of order. Right. So we have to be mindful that even as adults we can be led by those ungodly soul ties. Mm -hmm. And we really need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and asking, is this relationship leading me more towards Christ, just like you were saying, or leading towards the ungodly aspects? Right. No, see, the godly way God created relationships, right, was through systems. And the systems are the church, parent to child, so the family, and then husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And so anytime those are just 
dis, like defiled in any way or any type of dysfunction it has entered, then it becomes ungodly. So specifically for the parent-child, um, if there's a, a parent and child role reversal, now I see this a lot, even in the counseling world, this is a big thing mm -hmm. where, you know, mom or dad may have struggled with mental illness, or maybe there was one absent parent and the child found themselves kind of being the parent role because their parent was unable, mm -hmm. if you will, to be a parent to them. There is an ungodly connection here mm -hmm. because that child was forced to grow up at such a fast rate it was exposed to things that it pro he pro he or she probably wasn't even ready to mm -hmm. know or shouldn't have known at the age yeah. and doing adult things and not allowed to be a kid mm -hmm. and so this is where we get in the secular world attachment theory um as a counselor you will sit in a room right if you are concerned or if there's been claims that a child is being abused or neglected in a home like one of the things that they look at is they want to see how this child is going to respond to the parent and that's attachment theory is mm -hmm. the idea here and so if there's a healthy attachment then you can see that all as well but you can definitely see when there's an unhealthy attachment when there is lack of interest in the parent when there is a an unloving or lack of mm -hmm. touch and affection mm -hmm. between the both of them, mm -hmm. you can see that there is a neglect there of some mm -hmm. sort. And so it was really cool. I had a counselor actually, a professional counselor in one of my sessions. And um, I asked her what her thoughts were on soul ties. She kind of had the same response I did when I first heard about soul ties, like, uh, what is this? I've heard about it, but I just don't know if I'm in agreement with mm -hmm. it. And so I explained it to her, and she was still kind of like, yeah, I just don't think that I really believe that. I don't think it's necessary. And I was like, okay. And, and you know, something for you guys to know is that we don't force you to believe something. And we're not going to force you to walk through something that you, one, don't believe mm -hmm. or are comfortable with. Because honestly, if you don't agree with it, it's not going to work anyway. Right. And so I was just sitting there in prayer and I'm like, Lord, like, clearly this is what's going on. Like, give me a word or something that will help her have understanding of what actually needs to take place, what you want to do to her right now. And he gave me that word attachment theory. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my education came in play here. And so I immediately was like, what's your thoughts on attachment theory? And so she gave me her thoughts and everything. I was like, would you say that's a soul tie in biblical terms? Boom. It was like the mm -hmm. key unlocking the door. Mm -hmm. Gates just flew open and she was just like, we need to do this. Mm -hmm. And she immediately became a believer of soul ties and she walked through it. And it was an awesome testimony of what we saw after that. But That's just amazing. for those that are like a little leery about those words, like mm -hmm. secular world will say healthy and unhealthy attachment mm -hmm. based off of the attachment theory. Mm -hmm. In the spiritual term or biblical terms, we have ungodly and godly soul ties. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the synonymous wording here, if you will. Yeah, because you can have godly aspects to a relationship. Yes. Right? Not yes. everything is ungodly right. sometimes. I guess it can be if you're in a situation of abuse. Right. Um, but with with relationships like parent-child, there are godly aspects Correct. to it. And yeah. we want to honor and praise the Lord for those things. We only want him to sever the ungodly. The ungodly. Yes. And how do we do that? Basically, you just welcome Jesus and you ask him to do that. We can't do that. We're not the ones severing those ungodly soul ties. 
we are recognizing that there is an ungodly aspect to a mm-hmm. relationship that we have. And we are coming under the Lordship of Christ mm-hmm. and we're asking him to just sever all ungodly aspects. Lord, please sever anything that's ungodly or anything that I have taken that is from them. Cleanse it, redeem it, and send it back to them. And anything that I have given them Mm -hmm. that belongs to me, take it out of them, cleanse it, redeem it, and bring it back to me. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, we're coming under this repentance of idolatry because ultimately, like, there is some idolatry that could be here, especially Mm -hmm. if you have found yourself in a situation where you've been under manipulation for so long. Mm -hmm. There's a level of idolatry. Why? Why? Are you allowing this to happen? Are you fear of man? Mm-hmm. Why do you feel the need to please man? Yeah. There is a form of idolatry here. And so coming under that repentance, and then ultimately if there's anything you need to repent of anything else, if maybe you guys were sinning together, or maybe you fell into sin because of their actions, or you caused someone else to fall into sin mm-hmm. because of your actions, and then forgiving mm-hmm. that person. Yeah. And here's the thing, you guys. We pray into these things. We believe in the power of prayer. We know that the Lord is faithful to come and heal, to break off, to restore, to free, deliver, all of the things, right? But ultimately, you are a participant in your healing. And so when you ask the Lord to come and sever those ungodly soul ties, now you have to be aware and put boundaries in place. For instance, a a dating couple who has had sex outside of marriage, they now ask the Lord to sever that ungodly soul tie. Now you need to put boundaries in place for that to not happen. You need to get accountability. If you continue to fall in that, that's unrepentant sin. You have to be a participant in your healing. The same thing goes for um, parent-child relationships. You might be an adult now, right? And so you have to put boundaries in place if you found yourself coming under any domination or manipulation and control. You need to be aware of that and not come under it. Now, there may be times where you fall because we all fall short, okay? So there's no condemnation. But what, what this does, when you take this first step and ask the Lord to sever the soul tie, now you're aware of it. You're going to be able to see more clearly and hopefully not walk into that. But when you do, know that there is grace and forgiveness. And not only do you have awareness, but as you're walking through these things, Jesus is healing you in these wounded areas. So now when Holy Spirit comes to convict, Mm. you're able to receive, right? Mm -hmm. Because we talked about the defiled spirits. And how, like, once healing starts to take place, Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, there's awareness now, Mm -hmm. but it's also because I've been healed, so now I can receive Mm -hmm. what the Holy Spirit is saying, and I can correct my soul. Absolutely. Um, And then I felt like this was so needed because I know there has to be several of you out there because I've seen this, and I've had this question a lot. And even during the time where I was becoming a counselor, I had this question asked a lot. And honestly, to be truth in, in... Real with you guys, I didn't have a good answer because I honestly just didn't know. And I came across this verse and it unlocked something in me. And it was like, everybody needs to know this because this is a lie that has been not just in the world, but in the church. Okay. But please hear me when I say this. This is not a freedom to do what you want or to bow out or to leave. But if you find yourself in a desperate situation, this will give you that peace that you need. Okay, so I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 7, starting at 12. And it says, To the rest I say, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, 
and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Mm. You know, I. this is a devastating topic, and this is a very highly controversial topic. And I think a lot of people are really afraid to talk about these things because, obviously, God hates divorce, mm. and we know that, right? But you are called to peace. God is calling you to live in a life of peace this isn't a way out this isn't saying because it's hard because you don't have anything in common anymore that it's okay for me to just leave no right because you are an example and you can actually make your husband or wife holy by staying with them but if you find yourself where your spouse is trying to leave you let it be so Mm -hmm. because you are called to peace Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know where you are today, um, but I want you to know that just because we are on the topic of soul ties, I know this topic is a big trigger, especially if you were an unbeliever at one time and you married another unbeliever and then you came to Christ and now you find yourself in turmoil because your spouse is still living the unbelieving life and now you are trying to increase your relationship with the Lord. I hope this encourages you. Press into this verse. Ask Holy Spirit to minister you through it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, have peace within you. Guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the spirit of peace will come upon you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and lead us in prayer as we release this episode. Father God, we just thank you for this time. And we just want to praise you and give you all the glory. Jehovah, God Almighty, the one who heals and counsels and guides, provider, giver of all good gifts. And we thank you for the healing power that you have brought so many, those that you are bringing healing right now as they listen, Lord. I pray that you just send all of your ministry angels to them and have them minister into their spirit. I pray that they are feeling comforted right now as they ponder on the things that they just heard. I pray that they press into your word. I pray that there's an enlightenment that takes place, unlock their mind to know more things of you, to go deeper with you to see the greatness and the glory that you possess. Mm -hmm. I pray, Lord, that there is a peace that comes upon them. We bind down any shame or condemnation that is trying to take place right now in Jesus' name. We forbid the enemy to come, steal, kill, and destroy the seed that has been planted in their soil. 
May your love grow in their hearts and may all their hearts turn to you and chase after your own heart. We thank you for this time, Lord, as we feel blessed and honored to share the work and the glory that you have been doing in our own personal lives, but also in this ministry. Mm. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.